to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Some days I'll think like, why am I still carrying this child? It's quite negative. I was like, it's not going to survive. I just want it out. But then I guess in hindsight, when Jock was on my chest and it was this beautiful little boy, I don't know if I could have coped if I aborted and still had to hold that precious, um, lifeless body on me. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Jane was well into her much-wanted pregnancy when she discovered there was something very wrong. Something so severe that doctors said she should terminate. But it was now too late. This is Jane's one-of-a-kind experience with CMV, or cytomegalovirus. Welcome, Jane, to The Deep. Hello. Thanks for having me. Can we go to 2018 when you were pregnant with your second child? And can you take me through when things went from a normal pregnancy to something unusual happening? Yep. So I think I was around 30 weeks and I just went in for my usual doctor's appointment And he measured my stomach and noticed that it wasn't where it was meant to be. So he looked back in my orange book and noticed that the midwife and himself hadn't actually recorded my measurements for the last two visits. So he wasn't sure if it was tracking or what was going on. So he referred me for a growth scan, ultrasound, um, and luckily someone had cancelled. So I actually got in quite quickly. To that. So two weeks later, I went to have an ultrasound and it took longer than normal. At first, I wasn't uh, nervous because this happened with my first son. I actually carried him quite well. So I went for a gross scan. Um, So, yep, went there and the ultrasound. And I just, as I left, I remember the doctor, the ultrasound person, just saying, Your doctor will give you a call. I thought, Oh, that was a little bit weird, but okay. Um, then I went out for lunch with a few friends and as I was loading back in the car, the local doctor just called me and said, I'm so sorry to tell you this over the phone, um, but 
your child has fluid around the brain, um, fluid around his testicles. Sorry if you didn't want to know the gender, but I have to tell you, um, women's and children's will be in touch with you shortly and you need to get to Adelaide. How does it go from the doctor not measuring twice to a measurement, a test, and that on the phone? That doesn't seem like the way things roll out generally. Yeah, I guess um, they're very relaxed in the country. So Wow. Yeah, just went to the ultrasound and the ultrasound obviously send it. It mustn't have looked right. So the ultrasound sent it straight to Adelaide and they contacted the doctor and who contacted me. I mean, that's one of the most shocking moments when you think that you're having a normal pregnancy into fluid around the brain and the testicles and you need to get to the next major city as soon as possible. So for you, what happens in that moment? I just broke down, Uh, not on the phone. I tried to hold it together. I was like, yep. And they were like, would you like us to call someone? And I said, no, I'll be fine. Um, Obviously not. Hopped in the car and just bawled my eyes out. Um, I happened to be just at lunch with my obstetrician friend. She's a really good friend. But happened to me, she was on maternity leave. So I actually followed her home um, and pulled up in her drive and just cried and said there's something wrong with my baby. And being a small town, the doctor that rang me was actually her colleague. So she rang her back and said, tell me everything because Jane, you know. Is beside herself. Beside herself and went in one ear out the other. Um, So then after that, Amy sat me down and we went through just reassuring me, I, I guess, and Right then and there, Amy, I remember her saying, oh, it could be C and B, but I don't think that would be the case because, um, you know, I would have already had it or something like that. And so after about half hour of getting calmed down, um, I went home with the advice not to Google, but, of course, Mm. I Googled straight away. Of course. Um, course. Yeah, went home. Um, My husband arrived home crying once again, said something's wrong. Um, jumped on Google and by this stage I was like, you know what, it's just a blog aqueduct. I, I found the least <laughs> the least threatening um, thing I could find and I went with that. Um, in the meantime, the hospital rang and I was prepared for this phone call. Um, but they originally the doctor said you'll be coming down on Tuesday, but they rang and said we need you here tomorrow. So it was a quick bright cancel our weekend plans, pack the bags, get everything organised. Um, we need to go to Adelaide tomorrow. And how old is your older child at this point? He was at this point 16 months old. Do you take your child with you or do you have someone to watch him? Yeah, my parents happened to be in Darwin and they were flying home the next day. So we met halfway to swap up, give them Harry. Um, yep. This was the first time I've ever spent a night away from Harry as well, so that wasn't easy either. Um, mm. So they launched Harry and we continued on to Adelaide. And so when you get to the hospital, what do they say? So I get checked in. Um, I get to pick my, my room, which was nice, and then the first doctor came in and said, right, we're going to take you for an ultrasound, and they did. They took me for an ultrasound, and then this was on the sad day. I think I had bloods taken as well. And then on, I can't really remember what happened. I think they came in with a bit of a plan. At this stage, they still didn't know what was causing it. I guess it was only the sad day. Um, but from then, the game plan was they took multiple bloods and I was booked in for an MRI on Monday. 
And at this point, you have still no idea what this is. No, I have no idea. How long between the wait? Because I know the waiting game is the worst part for some people. So this all happened. I was down on Saturday uh, and we got the MR results Tuesday and then they said, do you mind if we do an amniocentesis? And I thought, no worries. Yep. Um, and it was through the amniocentesis that they came in and they just were like, it's CMV. Your son is surrounded by CMV. Was this the worst case scenario when you were Googling? It was. Well, CMV was so, um, it's so broad. So, so many things say if your child gets CMV, it's, um, they might only lose their hearing or some children have CMV and have no symptoms at all. Um, but oh, it was a big day. I found out Tuesday morning that my nana had passed away. Um, oh. So that didn't help. And then by Tuesday afternoon, the doctor came in. I think I remember Harry was in there and they said he needs to leave. So a friend took Harry and they just said, it's not good. Um, the damage to his brain, to his spleen, uh, liver, um, if he survives, birth, it's extremely unlikely that he will ever walk, um, talk, um, do live a normal life. We have no idea his life expectancy. Um, we would normally suggest termination due to how severe it is, but unfortunately you're too far along and it's illegal. So you'd have to go to a different state. Um, and they would just, just hit me with it, hit me with it all at once, which they were doing their job. But and I just remember sitting there and I looked at Scott, my husband, and he started to cry and I just thought, we can't cry. I've got to hold it together. I can't let them see me cry, which was silly in that. I was like, yep, yep, no worries. And they were really lovely about it, but then, you know, the room kind of cleared out and, yeah, just proceeded to cry myself to sleep for the next few weeks. <laughs> yep. Okay, so let's talk CMV now because we've mentioned it a lot, but lots of people are like, what is it? The most, could you explain the most typical way of contracting CMV? Yeah, so CMV stands for cytomegalovirus. It is the most common virus, um, common cause of disabilities in children. You can catch CMV by sharing food with your toddlers. So sucking on their dummy if they drop it, eating their scraps, sharing a water bottle. Um, it's very easy to catch. Changing nappies and not washing your hands. Which like is that. kind of crazy because I don't feel like a lot of people know this. Something so dangerous can be contract. Like if you've got a small child and you're having a second, a lot of that bodily fluid is exchanged with a mother and child. So yeah. it's a bit astounding that that isn't explained. No, so I had never heard of it um, before. Um, but now since having Jock, when I went back um, to do my antenatal, antenatal classes with Ella, it's now part of the midwife um, program to give you a fly and discuss CMV with you. But, yeah, at the time I'd never heard of it. 80% um, of the population has already had it by the time they're 45, but there's no signs or symptoms and it's only dangerous if you catch it whilst pregnant. 
which is like the wildest time, of course. Yeah. So you didn't actually get this from your child? No. So there is a chance that I was, um, I caught a different strain of CMV, but the doctor seemed to think that if this was the case, it would have shown in my blood. So um, they believe um, there's less than 1% chance of this happening, that the CMV just reactivated in my body in the first 12 weeks um, that I was pregnant with Jock. Reactivated? Reactivated, yep. Like a like nothing triggered it. It just it just for some reason came alive again. Yep. And the top doctor sat me down and he was lovely. He goes, There are medical journals this thick, and he showed quite a bit, and there is one sentence on it, and it just said, CMV is unlikely to reactivate, but in the case that it does, um, it's unlikely to cause damage to your unborn. Unlikely. Child. It's, it's unlikely, extremely unlikely to cause any damage. So you're telling me you're like a unicorn in all of this. This has never happened. No one knows about it. And when it does happen, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Since having it and reaching out on some pages, it has happened. But, yeah, at the time they said that there's a less than 1% chance and we probably should go buy a lotto ticket. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, this is wild. So if a mother gets CMV from her toddler during a pregnancy, yep. do they um, encourage termination of CMV babies early on? So if you catch CMV, there's actually only a 5% chance that it will then enter the child's placenta. And out of that, there's a lesser chance to, um, to cause severe damage. So if you caught CMV, um, they will just monitor you and monitor the baby okay this is just too much for my little brain to it is it's 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 too mind-boggling so at this point how many weeks pregnant are you again so when I went down to Adelaide I reckon I was 33 between 32 and 33 weeks wow so they said to you for his quality of life we would recommend terminating but you can't do it in this state was there any part of you that was like, should we explore this? Should we go to another state? Should we, could we, all of those things? They said even if we went to another state, they're not sure it would pass because Jock's heart and lungs looked fine. Um, so they said it would still be a lengthy process. Um, and I just took it, I was like, that's, that's fine. It is what it is. Um, obviously, we're not meant to terminate. Um, so I just kind of rode with it. I don't uh, – I'm learning now to speak up more, but at the time I'm just a nod and smile kind of person. So whatever they were telling me, I just nodded, smiled and well, nodded, cried <laughs> and went with it. So I just left it at that. That is wild though, isn't it, because this is um, your life your yeah. child's life in retrospect what would you have done differently at the time I remember if abortion was an option hands down I would have taken it I know not everyone would have but just what we were getting told his quality is life his outlook you know the what it meant for everyone I was in tears I was like I remember going home because they sent me home for two weeks before they induced me. And some days I think like, why am I still carrying this child? I was quite negative. I was like, 
it's not going to survive. I just want it out. Um, but then I guess in hindsight when Jock was on my chest and he was this beautiful little boy, I don't know if I could have coped if I aborted and still had to hold that precious um, lifeless body on me. So the emotions you go through, it was it was the worst time, hands down, of our lives. Not just that week, but those that followed were just, it was emotional, so emotional. But It's a very controversial thing to be given that kind of option. You know, lots of people have an opinion and this isn't this isn't what this podcast is about today, what people think, you know. This yeah. is about being faced with the worst possible outcome that you still don't know. At this point of pregnancy, you don't even know if the, the baby will survive, right? And if it does, what the quality of life is like. Uh, and then on top of that, you're then faced with no option, you know, like you can't even terminate if you wanted to. You know, if you had caught the, the the diagnosis at, I'm not sure, the laws or anything, is it around? Tw- 22 weeks you can abort to um, in SA. And so my question is then, how was this missed? I'm not saying, um, you know, you missed out your opportunity to terminate, but say you knew sooner and things were different, how was this missed? Was this through the growth scans or...? Um, I am not sure. So I guess everything was fine. And at the 20 week scan, everything looked fine. It was only in hindsight. So when we were down in Adelaide, one of the specialists said, I've gone back and looked at your 20 week scan and there is signs of infection there. But because of the machine or the technology that our regional hospital was using, they didn't double check. Um, as he said, but then he went, because my case was so rare that it was under his belief that the um, CMV reactivated in me, that I would have gone to Adelaide, they would have done the normal blood test and it would have shown no active case of CMV. So he said they would have just sent me home. Yeah, which I kind of question, is he just covering? Because I'm assuming I would have still been monitored from 20 weeks quite closely, um, closer than... I was um, because Jock's head actually stopped forming at 27 weeks of age. So if I had routine ultrasounds, yeah, could have found out earlier. Yeah. Now let's go to the birth, right? Because I cannot imagine the trepidation around knowing what was going to happen, right? Yeah. Pre-birth, like the day of the birth, were you still like, uncertain of where you felt this all land like how you would feel towards the baby or what this would mean like how how were you feeling um I guess the two weeks so I got sent home from hospital and I had two weeks at home um before Mm -hmm. I was um induced so that two weeks was obviously a very emotional I remember packing the baby bag and I was two outfits in and just broke down on the ground because I didn't even know if I was bringing this baby home um, and then the next day it would be like, right, I've got this, like, we can do it. So by the time the um, me being induced came around, I kind of just thought, you know what, what happens, what happens, I'll just go for it. So I was thinking quite positive by the time 
um, I went in to get induced. And also I'm not the biggest fan of labour. It hurts. So I kind of was like, let's just get in and get it done. (laughs) Yep, yep. And so this baby comes out and is he little? He's tiny. He was, oh, he was 43 centimetres and 2.2 kilos. Okay. And was he um, breathing by himself? Was he, did he cry? Yeah, yeah. So I guess I skipped part leading up to the birth um, and that whole week meeting people, we met social workers and the social worker would come in and they just warned us that, you know, there's a real big increase in postnatal depression and um, things like that when you're, when you know you're having a special needs child and what's to come. So I already had that worry on my mind as well. Um, but then we went in and, you know, last time I gave birth to Harry, it was just me, the midwife and a doctor. Whereas this time, as soon as the midwife pressed the button to say that Jock was coming out, I think there was 12 people in the room very quickly because Jock had his own medical team ready to go. And I had my own doctor team. And so in two quick pushes, because his head was so small, um, Jock was out on my chest. And I'm happy to say that it was just instant love. I'm so happy Mm. that I didn't terminate because he was beautiful. So, yeah, it was really good. (laughs) So little Jock is born and obviously you don't know the impacts, right, straight away? No, I was in a blissful bubble. I remember looking at the clock going, wow, record time, like, I had to push for two hours with my first, but Jock's active labour took 50 minutes. So I just remember looking, like, biggest smile I've done. I had Jock on my chest, um, just thinking, oh, I've got my boy. He was breathing by himself. He was cute. And I got to give him a good cuddle for about half hour. And then and then they're like, all right, we're going to have to take him now. And, yeah, so off he went to start is a very long journey of all the tests and my husband went with him and that just left me and the midwife. Um, luckily because I guess Jock, <laughs> he was so small, um, I just got off the bed, had a shower, was ready to go. So I felt fine and could walk and I was reunited with Jock about an hour later, which was nice. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And so... What was the first impact of CMV on this baby and you? Um, So they took him down to one of the rooms and they'd known from the MRI that he had an enlarged spleen and liver. Um, He was severely jaundiced, um, so they had to get him straight on the lights Um, and they were the ones they knew straight away and obviously the active CMV in his body. And then over the next three weeks were diagnosis after diagnosis after diagnosis. (laughs) Um, We already did know, sorry, from the MRI that 
uh, his brain wasn't formed correctly either. So they knew that. And his head was measuring at a 27-week-old um, gestation. So he had microcephaly. That's the correct term for that. So it was actually three weeks spent in hospital of tears, specialists, yeah, nurses, all that. Getting him well enough to go home. Yeah, so they put him on this drug called Valgan Cyclovir and it's toxic when it comes out in his urine. So this was pre-COVID. Just to go and see Jock, I had the nurses head to toe in PPE gear, um, which just broke your heart when you've got this little innocent boy and they're, you know, head to toe dressed up. Um, Yeah, day four I came in and I spotted him on oxygen, so I was already upset. And then that was followed by overhearing a nurse going, oh, I don't want to look after the CMV baby, Um, which was just devastating. Just disgusting. Who would say that? So I don't think she realised I was right near the nurse's station and she said, she goes, oh, I'm of childbearing age. I don't want the CMB baby. And I'm sitting there just losing it. Like didn't say anything, of course, because I was hidden, but I had to cope with that. I also had a nurse come rushing in and I thought, oh, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, I'd never seen a baby with this many lights on it. I thought I'd come and have a look. I was like, oh, so my baby's now the freak show of the nursery as well. Um, so that didn't add to my time there. It wasn't that enjoyable. But there were also some really amazing people there to make it a bit better, though. Tell me what happens when you do get home. We got released from hospital and then we spent another week in Ronald McDonald House because of extra appointments. Mm-hmm. And then we got home. So home from Adelaide's three hours away. Um, and we just kind of went about our business. Jock had multiple appointments in Adelaide, so we were going up and back to Adelaide at the start twice a week. Um, And, yeah, he kind of just fitted into our little family. At the start, his differences didn't stand out as much um, because obviously he was a baby and you don't expect babies to do much. And he was also on these the medication, which meant multiple blood tests, so watching the poor boy get pricked um, mm, was pretty traumatising. Yeah. Um, but he fed he fed well, um, which was good, and slept well to start with. So it was at times just like having an extra, just a new little baby. A newborn. Because how old is he now? He will be four on Sunday, actually. Oh, happy birthday, Jock. Yeah. So between newbornhood... And four years old, what does Jock's life look like? Because you were given a lot of what ifs and maybes. What is it? What What is his everyday like? So Jock is nearly four, but he hasn't progressed past four months. Um, he can't hold his head up properly. Uh, he's tube fed. He, um, he aspirates. So often he actually chokes up just on his own phlegm because it goes down the wrong way um he's yeah so when we left the hospital he was diagnosed with microcephaly um he has vision impairment he's hard of he's hard of hearing in his right ear um what else he's got cerebral palsy epilepsy um uh, severe global development delay 
his muscles tense, but then they also relax. Um, he gets constipated. So, yeah, the average day for Jock is he wakes up, we have to feed him through a tube, dressing him's hard because obviously his muscles might tighten and I can't even straighten his arm. Yes. Um, you know, he, he can't communicate, sorry, so he's nonverbal. He can't see, so he can't fix and follow you. Um, he doesn't recognise faces. Um, he does at this stage recognise voices and loves the wiggles. So if he's crying, you just play the wiggles and he stops. Um, but he's 100% relying on us. Yeah. He won't progress. He will stay like this. Yeah, it's he may get slightly better with his mobility. So we've got him a walker so he can kind of stand and move his legs. But, yeah, he he will never eat. Um, it's highly unlikely that he will talk. talk. Um, he, he can't even hold his head up for long periods of time. So, you know, sitting by himself isn't really, I don't know, probably not in the foreseeable future. He won't crawl things like that. So, yeah, he's kind of been a four-month-old baby has more control over their their body than what Jock does. Wow. So you have become his full-time carer. Yeah. But just simple things you you take for granted, like with my youngest daughter, I'm like, oh, can you go get a nappy? And, you know, she might come back with five nappies or one. That's the risk you take. But she still understands and does it, but Jock has no idea what's going on unfortunately so do you think he's happy yep I do he does he has the most infectious giggle he for some reason he'll just start he'll laugh for no reason um or you play the wiggles or you sing certain songs and they do get a happy um, reaction out of him so he's happy um most of the time but then there's also times where he can be up from 1am to 5am just awake or crying or yeah so he he has his other moments as well what does cmv look like long term like what is life going to be like for him as a young adult or a, a man Do, is there a time frame on it um you know all of those things um i don't really look to the future um, because I just know it's going to be so hard. Ideally, you know, every parent wants to outlive their child, but I kind of hope Jock goes before us because I don't know who else would take on the care for him. Mm. Um, in saying that, I don't wish his life away. He's beautiful, but it's just going to get harder. And no 18-year-old wants their mum changing their nappy on, on the floor of a disabled toilet, but that's that's Jock's future. Um, he won't be toilet trained. He doesn't get to enjoy food through the mouth. It's just through a peg. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about his lifespan. Like, for instance, he's got gastro and what, when I get gastro, it's 24 hours, but Jocks goes for two weeks and that's constant vomiting and his little body, anything, any little cold takes him, knocks him two weeks. Um, so, sorry, yeah, I'm not sure what... The future will hold for Jock. I just try and look at every day. Um, if I look even a week on, it's too overwhelming, the appointments and what's to come. So I haven't really thought 
thought ahead because I'll just take it each day as it comes. Can he live a long life? Uh, the doctors at the start said it was unlikely. Um, yep, I have been following some CMV pages and there are some 40-year-olds there, but I guess the thing with CMV is everyone, everyone's experience is so different. So some baby, one baby might be affected by CMV and have just lost their hearing and you get the other severe cases like Jock who have, you know, CMVs robbed him of a lot more. So there is no real certainty of where this goes or what yeah. happens. You just are in it and day by day is yeah. pretty much what you can manage. Yep, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <sighs> what do you wish people understood about having a special needs child? Um, it's hard. It is so hard. <laughs> um. Just, I guess, just don't take the little things for granted. I remember I was at the playground and it wasn't their fault, but one mum was just, oh, I've got to take my poor child to get vaccinations, this, this, and I'm sitting there like nearly in tears with my little jock going, he's a pin cushion. I would love if my biggest issue for that week or that year was, you know, routine vaccinations on my child, whereas it's not. I've got three, four, five appointments this week. So... Just don't always smile at those with special needs because the fact that they've left the house is a huge effort. Um, and I guess be kind and, yeah, don't take the little things for granted. Huge, huge. Yeah. What do you feel like you need for support? You know, who's caring for the carer? I am very fortunate, actually. I have an amazing friendship group and an amazing family. It's just I I feel bad. Like, you know, I I was the one that gave Chuck the CMV. It was my body that let him down. So I don't want to burden other people. So I just it's on me. I think I'll just yeah. So I do ask for help, but that's normally a last resort. I kind of suffer in silence. Just do it myself. I'm sure that if anybody knowing you heard that, they would be so, so, so upset. I know, I do. I know that I could send a message right now and say, hey, can anyone watch Jock for 10 minutes? And I'll get role plies. I am very fortunate. And my mum does heaps. She lives just down the road. And, you know, when I can't take Jock to appointments, she takes him to appointments and things like that. So I'm, I'm very lucky, but I'm also, I guess, a bit stubborn and just thought I can do it. <laughs> what are your hopes for Jock? Um, to be happy. To be included, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Just to give him the most included, inclusive life as we can um, and just be surrounded by love. What would that look like to have him feel included? In what context? Like get invited. At the moment everyone's like, oh, I'll have, you know, the oldest son. Harry can come over, Harry can come over, but. No one ever offers just to have Jock. Oh, does Jock want to come for a play or things like that? So I guess just people sending him for him and wanting to just hang out with him and enjoy just his company um, would be nice. I think that's really interesting because I, um, I'm i sitting here going, wow, yeah, I guess people don't expect that you would even maybe allow him, you know. Uh, there would be so much misunderstanding of like, oh, could he? 
Could he come? Yeah. Would he enjoy that? Would that be something that they could even handle? You know, but I think it's a really interesting point. Yeah, and because he is tube-fed, not everyone knows how to feed him. Um, he has epilepsy, so uh, there are people that do say it, and I guess I need to accept the help and let him go. Um, but, yeah, I just love, you know, a birthday invite that came and it just had Jock's name, not my other two kids' name on it as well. <laughs> but he'll start kindy next year and then school, so there'll be more opportunities for him to be included as well. I think that is fascinating though and really important. I actually haven't, that's my ignorance um, as well. And I'm sure so many people would find that really helpful, really helpful. And then if you don't know, ask the parent, right? Like would it be okay if Jock came and would you like to assist or maybe just exploring that would be a really interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It'd be nice. (laughs) You know, you you were talking about how when the diagnosis happened, you and your husband were like the quality of life, the impact of the family. What is the impact on the family? It's just hard, I guess, with Jock because he can't we can't even put him on the ground to sit himself up. So, you know, pre-Jock, we live on the river, would go out most nights, um, hop in the boat, but now, you know, Jock needs to be held, so you need an extra person, you need an extra set of hands. Um, just going, I can't go into the shops with Jock as such because I've got two, two other kids with me. So, you know, Jock's got to have a pram, but, you know, if I go grocery shopping, he can't fit in a trolley. There's no support in the trolley for him. He can't. So I do all my grocery shoppings online. Um, yeah, and then if I go into a shop and I need more, I can't grab it because I've got to push Jock in a pram. Um, so the other kids help but you know in winter if it's too cold we can't really go outside because we're risking jock um, getting sick and things but in in saying that the other two don't miss out because they do have a great group of people that come and take in places and we do do other do lots of things as a family but it is hard at the moment we want to extend our house so jock's got his own room and with a pool so he does hydrotherapy once a week and that's his favourite favorite hour of the week. So it would be just amazing if we could all have a pool and the family be together, but, you know, all that costs money and things like that. So People are going to wonder how they can support you. Do you guys have a GoFundMe or anything like that? Uh, no, no, we don't. We don't need it. We were very lucky. My brother actually went on a... Oh, I think he water skied 300 kilometres and raised over $10,000 for us when Jock was young. So I still have that money sitting there because I just, I'm so scared that if I spend it and then next week there's like this intensive program that comes up to help Jock. Like I just never want him to miss out because of something financial. Um, so the pool and the extension is fine. My husband's actually a builder, so <laughs> that does help. He will do it himself. I just think you are incredible. And this whole situation where it was like this really unique case that nobody has ever seen, no doctors knew about, and then you were placed in these circumstances that were so trying. And then the moment of maternal love that hits you when this baby is born, you know, and you know that this is 
always the way it had to be. You had to have this baby and you love this baby. It's so incredible to go, wow, in the, you know, one phone call changed everything, you know, that this very normal day that you were 33 weeks pregnant, everything changed and this is this is life for you and Jock and the family now and this is what you have to navigate. I mean, no one ever thinks that they will become a carer, you know. I, I think that it's extraordinary that human beings are able to, you know, survive and thrive these circumstances. I remember before my job was in my belly, oblivious to what was about to happen. I used to see on Instagram and special need families would pop up and I would just think, wow, like hats off to them. These are amazing people. Like, thank God it's not me, rah-rah. And then here I am <laughs> in the same situation as those, those people. But I've heard this comment a few times and I know people just mean well by it, but they go, oh, thank God it happened to you. I couldn't have happened. Like I couldn't have survived if it happened to me. And I know they mean it as a compliment, but it's just like, why would you want this to happen to me? And also you don't know what you'd be like. I would, didn't think I'd be able to cope, but you're not going to just leave your baby to the side. So, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's got it in them. You just suck it up and you do what's best for your family. And it has, I, I, yeah, if you asked me before I had Jock, this is not the life I would have ever imagined um, I'd have. Um, it is, it is hard, <laughs> time consuming. Um, you know, this week alone, Jock's got five different appointments that we've got to be at. Wow. Um, but yeah, we get through it. So, and at the end of the day, I, I'm so fortunate to not only have one, but three amazing kids. So, I don't take that for granted either. When you had your last baby, your girl? Yep, little Ella. Was that a big decision versus, you know, if you had able-bodied children because, you know, you're full-time caring? Um, It it wasn't because when Scott and I first went to have Harry, I I said I'm going to have three children, so... Um, the doctors told us to wait at least 18 months after having job to make sure that any active infection was out of my system. Um, so as soon as the 18 months was up, I was like, right, Scott, we're having another baby and we're very fortunate that we fell pregnant straight away. So um, this time my friend Amy was back from maternity leave, so I just messaged her and said, I'm pregnant. And we got sent to the women's and children's and were monitored from day job there incredible so I had scans at seven weeks 13 16 21 and although everything looked great I still chose to have an amniocentesis because that was the only way they discovered CMV and jock so I wanted to make sure because I I wasn't prepared to have two CMV children yeah wow and these babies are healthy until the CMV gets them. Is that right? Yeah. And that's another thing. They said apparently most miscarriages they believe may be caused from CMV, but no one checks because if it activates in the first 12 weeks, yeah, it can cause miscarriage um, and stillborns. Wow. So, so that was, I guess, on the positive side of things, I thought there was so many options for Jock not to be here. 
he should have miscarried really because it was in the first 12 weeks that activated um then he could have you know then we didn't find out until after termination was an option or then he could have been stillborn but you know he was born alive and breathing so he he was meant to he was meant to be here yeah there was the first year there was definitely times where it was really hard I'd be like why 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 but now I've got a better outlook um better mind frame I thought no we can do this he's meant to be here Thank you for being so honest with us today. A final question for everyone is, who are you when no one's watching? Um, mentally exhausted. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Just just a mum trying to do her absolute best. Uh, mm. Yeah, don't really know. Lover of cancelled plants. Oh, I love it when someone cancels plants me and I don't have to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> me too me too oh it's the best when they say oh sorry I was like, oh, don't be sorry this is great um, <laughs> yeah I I'm still just me just yeah trying to put on a brave face and do the best that I can for my family yeah thank you so much for talking to us today oh thank you so much for having me I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the deep If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.